Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey, it's Joe Trippy. We've got a special show for you today, but I wanted to talk to you for a minute first. The guest, Frank Smythe, and I agree that we need to take urgent action on guns. We may disagree about the what and the how. I may be more pragmatic about the reality of what can be accomplished in today's political environment, but this is a discussion we all need to have. One thing I know is that the last two steps that we actually took in this country, the Brady Bill back in 1993, named after James Brady, who was wounded horribly in the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan, founded a group with his wife, Sarah Brady. And a year later, we passed the assault weapons ban in 1994, signed into law by Bill Clinton. I hope you'll consider donating to the Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence. They work every day on this issue. We'll include a link in the show notes. Now back to the beginning of our show. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. I was watching CNN Inside Politics with Abby Phillips on Sunday, and I thought Frank Smythe made some really important points on guns, where we are with gun safety in this country. I had to ask him to come on. Uh, I thought I think it's an important voice that people need to hear in perspective. Frank's a journalist who's focused on everything from human rights to international conflict and guns. He recently wrote a book called The NRA, The Unauthorized History. We'll put a link to that in our uh, show notes. I really wanted to bring him on and talk about what's going on today. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Frank, you you made a point that I thought was really, uh, that I hadn't thought that much about. It's Because it, it's clear the NRA has been weakening, but the point you made was that even as the NRA itself weakens, the ideology and the gun culture that it helped create is it's leaving behind it even stronger than ever. We wanted our audience to, to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, the NRA is imploding. There's no doubt about that. And the embezzlement charges that were brought originally by the whistleblower who was Oliver North, which many people don't realize because this all came out in the, in the, the din of confusion of the pandemic and, and Trump when he was still in office. And there's just a lot of news, but Oliver North brought those allegations because he knew that uh, LaPierre was mishandling funds, which LaPierre was admitted some of. And now it's going to go to a civil trial. And I think that will eviscerate the NRA. 
and it will force the NRA most likely to dissolve itself to escape prosecution and what they're going to claim is unfair government overreach to, to reincorporate as a new NRA with a new federal tax number, meaning they won't be able to just transfer assets right over uh, in Texas. But as the NRA is waning and going through its worst financial crisis since at least the 1890s and when it went defunct uh, for uh, a decade, as the NRA is, is, is failing, its ideology is pulsing stronger than ever throughout the United States and in the Republican Party. And remember, a decade ago, the biggest name the NRA could get at their annual convention was Glenn Beck, that is the, by then the disgraced Fox News host, even both before and after he was fired from Fox for his anti-Semitic rants. At the same time, the first time an NRA representative ever spoke at any party's major convention was in 2016 at the Republican National Convention in, in Cleveland that nominated Trump. But now the NRA's ideology and the NRA itself, which seemed to be somewhat on the fringe of the Republican Party, although still had tremendous influence, is now at one of its center planks right there along with abortion. And it's not going anywhere. And what is the NRA's ideology? It's the ideology, the theory of the slippery slope, which posits that even a little gun control, slightly improved gun control, like universal or really slightly improved background checks, which is the most important thing the Democrats have tried and failed miserably to pass under Biden and since the Sandy Hook uh, massacre in 2012, that any increased gun control at all is nothing more than a slippery slope all the way to disarmament, followed by tyranny, and in their eyes, genocide. And LaPierre has used that term. So has David Culpel, an NRA-funded scholar. And the NRA has been very good for years to say different things to different audiences. If you go to a gun show or any NRA event uh, or go to a gun range anywhere in the country and ask somebody, hey, do you know what the slippery slope is? They'll give you a fake history lesson that they think is true. But most Americans haven't heard of it or have sort of, it's got a vague sort of notion. The slippery slope is the, is the gun lobby's big lie based on a fabulous distortion of the Holocaust, yeah. which posits that it was gun control that enabled the Holocaust. Sometimes they talk about other atrocities, but they, you know, more guns or let more guns, less genocides with David Copel's said in, uh, in, the, in the post in response to a piece in the Times that was debunking this theory. Yeah, this is where they, they basically say that if Jews had guns, that the, the Holocaust would have happened. Which is exactly what Ben Carson said when he ran for president on CNN right. with Blitzer, and then Alan Steinweiss, a Holocaust scholar at the University of Vermont, which is also uh, produced Raoul Holberg, right? The, probably the greatest Holocaust scholar in his book, The Destruction of European Jews, said this is a non-issue. This is, this is basically nonsense and laid out the reasons for it. And an and NRA-funded scholar, David Culpel, replied, oh, you know, he's, 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 he's doing wrong history. No, it's the gun lobby and the NRA that have invented fake history to advance their agenda. And the problem, Joe, is that the Democrats and the gun reformers alike have made a strategic decision not to touch this issue. And that, to me, is, a, is, is an utter failure. Well, Joe Biden's idea of, of politics has long been, and I understand this and I, and I respect this, that you've got to reach across the aisle and find common ground. That's how they got through the Reagan administration and in the years since. And he's been trying to do that on gun 
gun reform, as he said right in the beginning when he started his administration. And this has been an utter failure. Why? Because what the Democrats and the gun reformers don't seem to realize is that the other side, the Republicans, are using their fake history to undermine the Democrats' attempts at compromise. So they're avoiding the tough issues and not talking about things that are divisive, like gun registration, means the Republicans then are using the specter of gun registration to bury every single bill the Democrats put forward. That's where it all comes down to, right? It's the, it, they've been peddling the fear of national gun registration as the first step to take your guns away. Right. So t- talk that t- to us about that for a second. Well, let me, let me give you the evidence for why this is, just, this is still relevant, and then I'm going to explain to you the, the logic. Last year, Josh Hawley, in the hearing right after the Boulder and uh, Atlanta shootings, said in, a hear- in, in, in banter during testimony with a Heritage Foundation official something really remarkable. He said, well, background checks wouldn't work, would they? Uh, heritage official person, they wouldn't work unless you had gun registration because you wouldn't, you need to be able to track the guns, who they're sold to and who's buying them and keep those records for background checks to be effective. And she said, well, yes, but that doesn't mean that I'm agreeing because we all know background checks undermine trust in gun, with gun owners with the government. Now, Holly didn't mention the Holocaust, but this is the slippery slope argument, which the NRA has been seeding the ground with the idea that the evidence for this is in the Holocaust. And just last month, uh, or late earlier in April, Ted Cruz introduced a resolution to opposing Biden's plans to crack down on homemade, untraceable ghost guns, saying that even the tracking of gun parts, in effect, could create a national firearms registry, and we have to oppose that, right? That's, so it's, it's, this is in play, even if the Democrats don't say anything about it, and I don't think even realize what, what's happening here. Right. They seem they seem clueless and, uh, and hapless, unfortunately. Right. But at the same time, where's what's the argument for this? Well, the argument for this is this has happened time and again. No, it hasn't. The, the theory of the slippery slope is a fiction. Three in three advanced Western democracies. Right. Australia first, then the United Kingdom and then New Zealand, each banned guns or seized guns. Most guns are different kinds of guns, certainly assault weapons or handguns in the UK's case after each one suffered one too many mass shootings. They said, that's it, it's enough. We're not, we're not gonna allow this anymore. And f- f- one, not one of those nations has deteriorated into a, into a totalitarian stater where there's been genocide. In fact, if you look at Freedom House's index and other indexes, all three of those nations have done better than the United States on democracy indicators, in fact, since their, their gun seizures. And, each nation didn't use prior gun registration lists, which is the claim of, this, of the theory of slippery slope. Each one used buyback campaigns. Hey, turn in your weapon, we'll give you money, right? That's how they did it, right? And they didn't go door to door necessarily looking for everybody's guns. They let people bring them out voluntarily. And if somebody's found with a gun, that's a problem. But they didn't go kicking, picking people's doors down to get them, which I think is an important point. And then, well, what about the communist regimes? Well, in the Soviet Union, before the Soviet Union, Tsarist Russia had very little gun control and limited gun control lists, not enough to make any, to, to, to be of any value to the Soviets. So they, 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 con- they confiscated weapons, but they did it by announcing that guns were illegal and demanding that people turn them in under penalty of, of, of being criminally charged. And that seemed to work, right? That's, that's repressive. I understand that. 
but they didn't use prior gun control lists to do it. And the other example that they love to pull out is Cuba, right? But in fact, Castro's revolutionaries did seize all guns from civilians after they encouraged civilians to be armed in the early years of the revolution. But six years in, they said, that's it. Now you've got to turn in your weapons. Everybody's got to turn in their weapons and they seized everybody's guns. But they didn't use gun registration lists either. They did it by radio broadcasts. As Time Magazine reported, uh, and this is, this is online, in September of 1965, six years after they took power. So the notion of the theory of the slippery slope that, oh my God, better background checks would be a slippery slope. Trump just said this last weekend in Houston. Well, there is one step and then another step and a third step and a fourth step, and it keeps going. This is a crock of crap. Not one word of this is true. The whole thing is, is BS. So what does that mean? That means these kids are dying and these African-Americans are dying and all sorts of other Americans of all kinds, of all races, of all creeds, of all ages are dying throughout the country because of a fantasy, because of fake history that the Democrats and the gun reformers are either too clueless about or too cowardly about to challenge because they think they're rah, 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 we're gonna have our enthusiasm is going to work, is going to prevail. How many more people have to die and how many more failures would it take before the Democrats and the, and the gun reform people learn that they have to challenge the NRA directly on this ideology. Now, I know that's a little dangerous. I'm do, I do it myself, right? And one has to be careful not to provoke in this environment some kind of violent reaction, because that is very possible. I don't want to be cavalier about that. But unless you debunk this, you're never going to get anywhere. Frank, that, that brings up something Joe and I have been talking about the last week. And Joe, I want your thoughts on it. And then, and then Frank, you should react too. But Joe and I were emailing about this last week and joe you said something like the the framing on the issue is wrong and we keep calling it gun control and that's just totally wrong i'm curious as to your thoughts there i think gun safety talking about gun safety and removing you know taking the steps to to make this a safer country and make our kids safer etc is a better maybe a better way to talk about unraveling this you know this this phony conspiracy narrative that they've got um instead of us constantly you know talking about gun control i wanted to i i know also i want to in parallel ask you the question i know you wrote last year in the daily news uh when biden came out with his gun plan that democrats have to tackle misinformation about gun safety head-on it doesn't seem like they've succeeded at all so first of all you know both tackling the misinformation and is the best way to do that in some of the language that we that 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 we use as we try to do this or do you disagree with that look uh first thing uh gun control uh gun safety is uh i understand that that reformers want to use that term it's a smarter term and it frames the issue better for them and if you read my book i obtain documents where the nra board talks about the power of language how they want to reframe things all about in constitutional terms so this is normal but I'm also a journalist, not a cheerleader. So I know when we talk about gun safety, we're talking about regulations, and fundamentally we're talking about gun control. So I might use the term pro-life, but I'll use the term abortion in the next sentence because that's what we're talking about. They're against the abortion, mm -hmm. right? Pro-choice is being in yeah. favor of the right to have an abortion. Let's not, you know, the euphemisms only go so far. Here's what the Democrats and the, and the reformers need to frame the issue as, which they haven't, right? 
And this is the United States has 25 times more gun violence on average than every other advanced nation. What separates us from them is the fact that every one of these advanced nations has national regulation of retail gun sales along with other restrictions. Well, we're the only nation on earth that leaves it up to our regional governments or the states how to regulate consumer firearm sales. This is how we should talk about it. The NRA has dominated the debate and the gun lobby, meaning the NRA and the gun industry, along with other groups more extreme that are rising, like Gun Owners of America, have long misled the American public, long gaslit the American public. Because nobody talks about retail gun sales. That's what this is about. You frame it that way, everybody will understand it. Well, why don't we regulate gun sales? We regulate explosives. We regulate toys. We regulate food products. We regulate drugs, but not guns. The only other things that we don't regulate that sort of would fall into why don't we regulate them are tropical fish, which lead to invasive species coming in uh, all over the country, right, and wreaking havoc environmentally, and uh, private zoos like the idiot, the tiger king, and that whole community of, you know, none of whom I seem to seem is, see as exemplary personally for me, right? But the fact that we don't have retail gun regulations, we don't regulate as on a national level gun sales is absurd. We have a national background strike system, which nobody real seems to realize most states don't have to contribute to because this Rehnquist court ruled they didn't have to in 1997. So it's a totally incomplete system. The records that are needed, most of them are not even there, even if you run the background check. So better background checks will only get you so far, right? We have outlawed bunk stocks. Wow, whoopee do another, another regulation. Yes, they were used to deadly effect in the Las Vegas shooting, the largest mass shooting in the history of the United States since the massacres of Native Americans uh, in the early 20th and mainly late 19th century, right? But bump stocks, no self-respecting gun owner would own one. And if you ask them, they'll tell you that because they're crude and gun owners tend to appreciate the mechanics of their weapons. And a bump stock is a, is a lousy device, right? Um, that though extremists certainly and others may use. But this is the problem. You want to talk about gun safety, fine, but you really want to change things. Talk about why don't, why are we the only nation that doesn't regulate retail, the consumer firearm sales? Why is that? Right. And why can't we talk anymore or hardly talk anymore about the one thing that mandatory national gun registration that we now know would work? And Josh Hawley last year in the hearing said, I, you know, wouldn't, it, wouldn't background checks only be effective if you had gun registration? So now both Democrats and Republicans are quietly saying, hey, gun registration would work, yet we don't talk about it. Well, now we're hearing, you know, that the big solution is uh, teachers, give, give teachers guns, uh, like a teacher armed with a handgun facing someone with an AR-15 and in body armor would, would have, it would be able to keep kids safe. It is... It, it, that in the single door, every every school needs to have a door. We talk about everything. This is the problem. The NRA has controlled the debate that we talk about everything we could possibly imagine except what would work, which is national gun registration. We can't talk about that. So we nip at things or we shift it to gun safety. You know, Sasha Baron Cohen's uh, spoof where he has some idiot uh, gun rights guy saying, yeah, let's arm the toddlers was right on point. This is, but this is where they're weak. If you go to, I know a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives who are gun owners. I'm a gun owner. I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent, but I am a gun owner and I own a Glock, right? Which I know 
for a lot of your listeners, well, why would he want a Glock? Well, you know, I have my own reasons for that, right? I don't know how to use it. But I, you know, I've been described as a gun enthusiast by the New York Times in a review two years ago. Now, it's a little bit of, of, uh, of a stretch, right? I know a lot about guns, I, I, but I'm a former arms trafficking investigator. So I know what they do, right? But I'm not, I'm enthusiastic about baseball, other things, right? You know, go nuts, right? craft beer, fly fishing. I'm not really enthusiastic about guns. I don't talk about guns with my friends much, but I respect them and I know what they can do, right? But if you go, the people that I know, the way you have to start this conversation to win it, I think, and actually make progress is counterintuitive. And it's by saying, no one is ever going to come and take your guns. That's what you need to say to Americans, to, right. to conservative Republicans who live, who live in various parts of the country. Nobody's going to take your guns, but we're going to set up a national system of registration to regulate all new gun purchases. Oh, what about the other guns? Well, every time these things happen, 380% of the time, it seems, the, 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 the shooters just bought the weapons on the black market. Yeah. They decided, hey, I'm going to become infamous, so I'm going to go buy some guns. So they're not pulling them out of stockpiles. The moron who shot, uh, yeah, I don't want to disparage people who are mentally ill, but the individual, the, the young, the disturbed young man who killed everybody in Sandy Hook took his mother's weapons. But that's an aberration. Usually these people go out and buy those weapons. So right. if you have mandatory registration of new gun sales, people get to keep their weapons. And since there's a lot of Americans who are a little paranoid, they hoard their weapons. Those weapons won't end up being trafficked and sold or in Mexico or other cities, they're able to still be stocked in their garage or in safes in their house. And they'll, and they'll, they, they won't, hopefully won't see, won't see circulation. That's that, that would be a good thing. Here's the thing, Frank, because I think a lot of these things, you got sort of two things. One is the long, with all the, the ground that they've laid on their narrative, the seeding of, of this fear that they've put people that their guns are going to be taken away, that registration is just the first step, all, the, all those things. That all has to be, uh, I, I agree with you, dealt with over time, but that's not going to happen in the next, you know, four months, six months. I mean, it's, you can't undo it in, 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 a, in a, a short period like that uh, in terms of what can Biden and, and Congress do in an in a, in a era where, you, you know, whether you can find 10 Republicans that would not filibuster, you know, joint to get something done. So the three or four, uh, I've been advocating like three or four, just putting them on the floor, you know, like a, a universal background check bill, let the Republicans vote it down, you know, make them vote it, vote it down, a, a ban on assault weapons, make them vote it down. If, it, if it's not going to pass, make them do it. Start exposing some of the stuff through two, or, I guess what you would call two or three too small to make a difference, you know, not that anything would, any even small steps would help. Um, do you see that as a, as a, as a reasonable strategy right now or? No, no, I think it's failed. I think it's failed miserably and I think it has to end. Right. And I know that's, that's not popular among the progressives, but again, I'm a journalist, not a cheerleader. If you take everything the Democrats proposed in the past year under Biden, every bill and every one of those bills were to pass, how much would that reduce our gun violence to bring it down from being 25 times more than on average in other advanced nations? Nick Kristoff and the Sway podcast with me said up to a third. That's that's highly that's a highly optimistic guess guesstimate. Right. Okay, but let's say it's a third. I think it would be closer to less than a fifth. 
right? But even if it were a third, it still means we're having uh, 18, 15, you know, more than 15 times, 16 mm-hmm. times gun violence in other nations. So that's good. Anything would be good, but it doesn't get to the meat of the problem. It's been 50 years since the Democrats have talked seriously about gun registration when President Johnson signed the Gun Control Act of 1968. Nobody talked about it for 50 years, and then Cory Booker raised it when he ran for president, right, Um, uh, which was good. Oh, my goodness, it's put on the agenda. And I've had editors, well, you sure nobody's talked about it in 50 years? Yeah, I'm positive. How do I know that? Because I went through all the NRA literature and they never raised it because as soon as somebody raises it, they go nuts. Right. And they and they and they they didn't. Right. It's hard to prove a negative, but I think that's pretty good proof. Right. And um, and now people are talking about it a little bit. But, you know, this baby steps approach is why the Democrats have failed, because the Republicans aren't playing baby steps. They're setting up. They're positing a pure dichotomy. Gun, gun ownership and gun control are incompatible or any or gun safety plans, whatever you want to call it, are incompatible. So we have to pose everything to preserve our very liberty and keep tyranny and genocide at bay. This may sound ridiculous, but people believe it. I'm trying to get to the political reality of the moment. Unless you start to undo the programming that's happened about registration and what the consequences of that are, it's kind of a political non-starter in terms of surviving the you know the next couple of rounds of elections. Unless you think current events, Uvalde, et cetera, have, have sort of woken people up to this in a way that would make that palatable. It just seems to me that that's the, you know, what is the, uh, the, the next step that can happen? And, and this commission idea is seems to me like it may be the right one uh, or the right kind of idea to get to you know an, an independent recommendation to the american people of what needs to be on that is be done that isn't politicized not uh, it's not one party uh which is what it would be right now it'd be one party acting uh, to do to do something because the republicans just aren't there they're owned by the nra right now or it's, it seems to me at least enough of, enough of their elected leaders are well, the NRA doesn't have enough money anymore to say that they're owned by the NRA. They're owned by the voters that right. the NRA has led for decades. That's the point. Yeah. And until the Democrats learn how to talk about guns and think for themselves, why have they failed for a half century? And as the situation gets worse, I think the way to talk about this is to say, we're never coming for your guns, right? Right. Which means no assault weapons ban. Right. I'm opposed to an assault weapons ban for a lot of reasons. I can discuss them all. Right. But mainly it failed. It backfired. And it's and it's the what it's the, if you say that you're never going to get anywhere. So if Republicans, conservative Republicans who don't want to live in a war zone, know they can keep their guns to protect themselves in their homes or in their cars and even carrying a concealed weapon, which may expand nationwide due to the Supreme Court. OK, you can keep your guns. But we're going to what we need is registration of new gun sales. And the opposition to this is based in fake history. You've been a sucker. You know, those old Frank Sinatra ads, you know, don't be a sucker during World War II and fall for the fascist rhetoric about that are, that's racist. You need the same thing. Don't be a sucker and fall for all this fake history of these guys. I think you can make a dent there and then you might make some progress on the big issue as well as the small issues. But the Democrats approach, don't say anything controversial, just 
Let's let our enthusiasm win. How many times do you have to get knocked down to realize it's not working, right? It's not working now. I mean, maybe we'll make progress, right? We mean those who are in favor of gun reform, including gun owners like myself who are in favor of gun reform, including gun owners like myself who own an assault weapon, a Glock, right? Who are in favor of gun reform can get there. But the Democrats have just no idea why they're failing or what they need to do to talk about it. I'm not blaming them for the problem. I'm frustrated with their inability to, to hit the problem, to break through this logjam. So then how did you, because I'm for an assault weapons ban, so we've had a couple of areas we probably disagree on. Uh, how do you equate what, you know, the, the assault weapons ban that, that uh, the Republicans, let, let, you know, didn't renew, right? I think it was, went through 2004. Did it work at all while it was in place? Or are you saying? You know, it, it, unbalanced, the RAND corporate, the studies are largely inconclusive. There's some evidence, though, that bans on, mag on magazine capacity did limit the ability of shooters. And some shooters, like in, uh, in the Gabby Gifford shooting and her constituents, right, was taken down when he went to reload. He's gun jammed. He had to find another magazine. And that's when people took him down. There's some, there's some evidence to that. But what people need to remember is what the gun ban did is it energized and radicalized the right and the gun right. And it energized companies who started making incredible innovations in these weapons, first to circumvent the ban and then to just make them better. One of the results of the ban is that AR-15 rifles, right, um, that are semi-automatic uh, uh, military lineage rifles, right, that's what they are, firing the same round as an M16 have been better and better. They don't. They rarely now jam. They're light. They're easy to fire. So somebody with relatively no training will buy one and then go kill everybody in the school. Now, if they were fighting in an actual conflict with people who were also armed fighting back, they'd be taken out in minutes. Like when the when the police finally went in and and uh, in Uvalde, they took they took them out. They should have gone in earlier. But when they finally went in, they took them out. But these guns. The result of the assault weapons ban is now. The AR-15 has become America's rifle. That's true. It's the best-selling. That type of weapon is the best-selling weapon, and it's ubiquitous. The NRA brought it into its high-power rifle competitions to show, hey, they're in common use, Supreme Court. You can't ban them now. And you also, Joe, if you, I don't know, even the Roberts Court now, it would knock down a, an assault weapons ban quicker than, quicker than blink. So that's off the table. It's, a, it's pie in the sky. Now, they might say, hey, national gun registration would be unconstitutional. So are you against it because it's pie in the sky or are you against it because you just you said Australia, UK, you know, you talked about how it worked. I'm just trying to get to the I, I, if, if it could work like it worked in Australia or New Zealand, I'd gladly hand over my weapon and, and I'd be I'd be fine with it. So right. partly it's pie in the sky. But we live in America. Any attempt to, to impose another assault weapons ban could provoke the civil conflict that we're all worried could be on the horizon, right? I'm sure it wouldn't pass even yeah. if you had the votes. I'm sure the Supreme Court would knock it down if it did pass. So I don't think it's feasible and I don't think it's necessary, right? America is a, is a nation where a lot of people have weapons and nobody who has a weapon, everybody, they all, everybody fantasizes, well, I, I have my weapon. I know what I'll do if I'm attacked, right? If you, if you implement an assault weapons ban, it's not going to be popular and it's going to turn more people against the gun reform movement. If you say you can keep your weapons, but we're going to register new gun sales. That would work. And the evidence clearly shows that. And it would, uh, 
it would it would be much more popular. And I think the Supreme Court would also have to acknowledge, well, if it's unconstitutional, if somebody wants to argue that, why does New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, why the District of Columbia and Rhode Island all have registration of either some or all weapons, right? It's nobody's taken the, uh, that to the Supreme Court and ruled it's unconstitutional. And they barely tried because they know it would get knocked down. So the notion that national registration is unconstitutional is uh, it certainly there's no case law to say that. So for both pragmatic and um, and and reasons of policy, Joe, I, I, I'm a, I don't think an assault weapons ban is a good thing. Uh, I don't think it would work. I think it would backfire again. And I think the Democrats have to find a better approach and really understand better where the where the violence comes from. Because if you realize that all these shooters are buying new weapons, then regulating new weapon sales seems to make more sense, you know, than uh, than an assault weapons ban, which is not going to which I think would backfire. So we're running out of time here, but I wanted to ask you sort of uh, uh, a few things about the NRA and what you see its current situation. We talked about this a little bit at, at the top of the show, but, the, you know, they just had their convention, the annual convention. Anything strike you as surprising or different in their tone from this past weekend? Well, look, I've, I've learned I've been covering the NRA now for uh, 28 years. Um, no. <laughs> longer than that 38 years no 28 years 28 years excuse me and um uh never you know moderate mo any possibility for moderation left the nra uh by 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 the end of the 90s by 1999 2000 right they brought in charlton heston to the beats to beat somebody who was accusing lapierre and everybody of not being strong enough on gun rights so heston was a relative moderate in the nra so looking for moderation in the nra you're not going to find it right but what surprised me is that Philip Journey, a Kansas City State judge who was, uh, who was also on the board, mounted a campaign in an effort to have Alan West challenge LaPierre over the embezzlement charges and to replace LaPierre. Alan West is the guy who was the chair of the Texas GOP, parroted QAnon. He's the person who's who actually laid out the first the first NRA official to falsely claim that the NR the early NRA helped arm freed slaves during Reconstruction? This is another canard they've cooked up, um, and he's basically an extreme right wing African American conservative celebrity, right? And has used his said I'm as an American black man I'm very interested in the history of the NRA when he laid out this crap about the freed slaves. That effort to depose Lapierre this past weekend in Houston failed fifty four to one. The only board member who voted with Journey in favor of West was, was himself, right? Now, that also means that 21 uh, or 22 other uh, 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 or 21 other board members either abstained, which is interesting, or didn't vote because I'm sure almost all of them were there, right? So people abstained who didn't like LaPierre, but, only, but they didn't join Journey. So what that shows you to me is the NRA is retrenching into its old absolutist and unyielding views. Or what I what you could also call extremist views, because that's what they are. At the same time, that the NRA is circling the wagons in advance of the the it's New York Attorney General lawsuit that's going to court later this year, based originally on the charges brought by Oliver North. And um, for that reason, the NRA is on a suicidal path because their their collective ego and their ideology is so strong they can't possibly deviate from it. And like I said, that lawsuit, I'm sure, will eviscerate the NRA. They'll be try to put them into receivership of some kind. 
And instead of complying, the NRA will almost certainly, as given indications, dissolve the NRA themselves after 150 plus years, and then not move the organization, but start a new organization with a new federal tax number in Texas. And that shows to me that the NRA is not the problem. It's the ideology. It's their offspring of ideas that's living and continuing to, to enable the blocking of gun reform so people keep getting killed. So that was actually going to be my last question for you. Um, so as the NRA, you know, it sort of leaves the, the national stage. I was going to ask you who will fill that, how will the, that vacuum be filled or will it fade? And you're saying now it just keeps, just be under a new name. No, it'll be filled by more extremist groups. Gun Owners of America is, is ascendant now. Gun Owners of America is the strongest rival to the NRA, was formed in 1974 before the NRA's Cincinnati revolt that turned it into a gun rights organization in 77. And Gun Owners of America, their founder, Larry Pratt Sr., the late founder, he cavorted with uh, white nationalists and white supremacists in the, in the 90s after the Ruby Ridge fiasco. It was Leonard Seskind uh, documented in Rolling Stone. So this is, these are the groups that are ascendant. And Ted Nugent, who resigned from the NRA board last year, is now the face of Hunter Nation, a hunter's group with a right-wing gun rights orientation that seems confused about even what its mission is, except it's an alternative to the NRA. And then, of course, you've got neo-Nazi groups and neo-Confederate groups, those groups that we all saw. The neo-Nazis have always been some of the strongest opponents of gun control uh, in this country, right? And they continue to be. So these groups are going are gonna to fill the gap along with Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, who have made uh, gun rights, it seems like one of their signature issues that they're fighting for, uh, or they claim they're fighting for, I think it's more posturing than anything else, but the GOP is really picking up the slack. And that is, that's why it's going to last with or without the NRA. Well, it's also gets down to the fact that it's not something Joe Biden or, I keep saying this has got to come from the American people. I mean, it's got to you know, that demand something be done. And I sort of deal with this from the political situation, you know, what's politically possible, you know, four or five months before an election with the Republicans carrying the gun lobby's water on this. I just don't see a, a way for anything to be done unless enough uh, Americans rise up and, and vote people out of office who don't vote to change things. The weakness here, as you said, they you want the American people need to rise up to demand something. Until the American people define and gun reform advocates and Democrats help define what that something is, nothing will happen and everything will be defeated. One good reason to have you on the show, have people here, because I think a lot of people, a lot of very good people, uh, activists and others have been struggling with how to do this and how to get some action to happen for, as you said, years, you know, decades, moments like this, there's a chance that people you know, get to a place where enough of the American people want to find the solution. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, Alex and I try to do and bring on people like you on the show, get that, get those perspectives out there, let our listeners hear them and, and hopefully, uh, you know, continue to move forward. So thanks Frank for, for coming on and thanks everyone for listening to that trippy show. You can find Frank on Twitter at Smythe. Frank, S-M-Y-T-H-F-R-A-N-K. We'll include a link to Frank's book and the articles we discussed in the show notes. We'll be back next week. And of course, please subscribe to That Trippy Show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to That Trippy Show 
at gmail.com or leave us a question in a review on iTunes. Again, Frank, thanks so much for coming on and your perspective. My pleasure, Joe, and enjoyed it very much. Thank you too, Alex. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.